Welcome to Multiple Streams by Any Means, a podcast which focuses on showing our people different unique paths to financial freedom and wealth. And I'm your host, Bam, and today we have a special guest. Um, he's former broker at uh, Goldman Sachs, a big firm on Wall Street. Um, he's owner of the brand Immortal Fitness, Immortal Investments. He's also a venture capitalist for a cryptocurrency market. Today we have my brother, Goldman Stacks. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing today? Pretty good. How you? I'm doing great, man. So what brought you to Atlanta? I was just kicking it with family, you know what I mean? Oh, you got family out here? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. So, Goldman Stacks, man. So, Stacks, where you from, man? Originally from Chicago, you know. Um, raised in Chicago. Would have been living in L.A. for like the last, say, about 12 years. Okay, Chicago. Um, was it rough coming up in Chicago? I mean, yeah, of course. You know, everybody got they, got they, you know, stories about Chicago. But for me, you know, it was it was pretty, it's pretty mild, you know. Um, I'm kind of used to that, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I want something better for me, so I just... Made it out, you know what I mean? Well, by any means, you know? So, <laughs> you're like, you know podcast, I mean? say. by any means, bro. <laughs> now, okay, cool. So, like, what was, what type of kid were you growing up? Athlete, musician, both, hustler? Yeah, all okay. three, actually. Yeah, all, all three. three. All three, man. Um, I, I made sure I made a way for myself to, like, you know, get money on my own and not be dependent on nobody else. You know what I mean? If I wanted something, I went out and hustled and got it the right way. You know what I mean? And then after that, you know, as far as like athlete, yeah, you know, I played, you know, ball, I played football, basketball. Okay. I, I did box for a little bit too, so. Oh, for real? Track, you know, long distance, short sprinting and all that. It doesn't matter to me, I did all that. I see, what, that's where the fitness background come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been, been doing some boxing too, so um, I always wanted to do karate coming up. Yeah. I saw Power Rangers when I was like five, and I was like, man. <laughs> so then it's like. I always ask my parents to get me like in martial arts, karate yeah. or something. Yeah. They'll always come up with some excuse, bro. Like <laughs> too expensive, we ain't got the time, or they don't do that in this area. So yeah. I remember my first time watching Rocky. That's kind of, I'm on my fitness thing too. So gotcha. I saw that and I was like, okay. And I just pick up, like I see Bruce Lee do a move, but but Rocky is like, okay, they he kind of taught him how to do the jab. So yeah. So like I always was excited, like we'll do like back backyard boxing coming up. Exactly. So recently though, I started doing like um I go to boxing gyms and like I hire trainers and stuff. So I've been kind of serious on it for like the past couple of years. Yeah. But I ain't finna uh, compete in no tournaments and nothing. I just do it <laughs> for the mental. Okay. Well yeah, man. Well, um, so like, uh, what was your first? What was your first hustle coming up? I mean, my first hustle coming up was like something like small, like you know, selling CDs and selling candy or something like that as a kid, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As a kid, you know, that's how I made my, my first, like, $10,000. Yeah. Like, like, really just flipping CDs, flipping candy, you know, stuff that I could legally do while I was in school. But then after that, like, um, I got into wanting to make beats and stuff like that. So then I started making beats for, like, different artists locally. And mm -hmm. then I started selling, like, 500 at a time, you know, $1,000 at a time. And then okay. that was my little first little come up as a teenager, you know? All right, so you had, you say you made 10000 you had 10000 saved up. I had 10000 saved up just from, like, doing little hustles on the side. Like, like how old was you? Like, probably, like, 14, 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, you, yeah, you different. I was, like, so I remember I got my first stack selling candy. So, 15, I was probably, like, around two and a half stacks. Yeah. Cutting grass, <laughs> two and a half stacks. Yeah, I cut grass, too. Yeah, I did, yeah. That. I did that, too. I ain't really like this. Like, I ain't like cutting no grass. Yeah, <laughs> people grow. People, I never forget this lady, man. She, um, bro, one her grass is always fucked up, bro. So you pass by it every day. It's yeah. like you really need me, but it's like okay, I was like I would still do the grass for like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks back yeah. then. Yeah. 
because um, I know if they earn the business, then I can start adding stuff. It's like drag me through the mud, bro. Like <laughs> it was a few people that was cool. Yeah. They were like, shit, it's better than paying 50 or 100 or whatever. Exactly. Man, it's like drag me through the mud and stuff. Like before she gave me that dub, <laughs> boy, I did it. Boy, I turned to weed eating and I'm trimming hedges, all type of shit, bro. And I'm like, man, I don't like service based business, bro. Cause, exactly. Because, like, you got to over, because, I mean, you got to over deliver. You got to over deliver and you got to make sure they're satisfied. It's like, I can't do that with this one lawnmower and exactly. charge you a third of what. And it it's costs. like the people, yeah, and the people like that will drag you through. It's like, yeah, Whatever, so that. I like uh, product-based businesses or like, exactly. you know, um, but when it comes down to just like satisfying, like like you got to over-deliver and that just not, it wasn't, I like, I don't like trading time for money and that's kind of what exactly. that was too because it takes time to cut the grass as opposed to candy, you just set up a shop. Just come through. You yeah, know? they come they already, through. They come to you, really. They come to you. It's, it's perfect. You, <laughs> yeah. you feel needed, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. I remember I had a play beeper. I was living, <laughs> like, had a play beeper. It didn't work, but, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, I pretend like it worked, you know, just to just to feel like I was doing something back then, man. So, uh, right. all right, so cool, man. You said you played sports all through high school? Uh, throughout, you know, most of high school. Yo, not, yeah. not not the whole time. But, yeah, I did varsity and all that. Yeah, you had, did you have siblings growing up? My siblings is way older than me. They, like, at least 11 or 12 years older than me. So I, would, I grew up kind of like by myself, you know what I mean? Oh, so for real? It kind of like made me a little bit more, you know, self-reliant and not having, having to really depend on nobody. Yeah, because they a distance, like, it's not like it was two, three years old. They like a decade over. Exactly. So and they, you, you. They was out the house by the time I really, you know. Elementary, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was gone, bro. Um, it was, was school a big thing in your household? Nah, I mean, they made sure that I went to school and stuff like that and I you know really uh you know took it serious you know and I made sure I did it for myself too you know it wasn't just really done you know putting it on me it was really me wanting better you know you was a good student yeah and I would say I was good you know yeah I was pretty it was like um so I grew up in South Wilson okay and if you just google it not the best school district actually one of the worst like when it come down to the nation right or the state so um I was like always cool. Like my mom was a school person, so mm -hmm. I wasn't really ever in love with school. I wasn't like spelling B or honors, but it was just like, you know, you forced to do this homework by the time you make it to middle school. You actually have study habits where some people just right. fuck homework. You know, they don't even <laughs> do homework and it's yeah. whatever. So then I ended up going to a school, it's called Riverwood. So it's like on the north side. So I'm from the south side. Mm -hmm. They brought me to the north side. like. Like it would bring us from the north, south side to the north side, and you kind of blend it in on the on this program. Yeah, kind of like uh, they got that in L.A. too, or at least yeah. they did have that. Yeah, damn near like affirmative action. No, yeah, I already know. I already bro. know. Yeah, but it kind of brought me. It kind of put me ahead though, and it's like I never really was a huge school person, but you know, people would like, oh, you go to this school, okay, we're gonna we're gonna don't be out here with us, you know, go to school, stay in school, and overall, it's kind of like my academic skill set is kind of. Kind of increased, so yeah. I ain't gonna say I was always a great student, but it kind of like turned out that way. Um, so you started doing music in school? Yeah, yeah, I started doing music in school, um, and then like where I went to school was, was like Homewood Flossmore High School, and that was in like the the south suburbs of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So like growing up in the south side, and then like going to the south suburbs of Chicago for school and all that, it was like kind of like what you were saying, like yeah. it, it was a good school district and all that, and we had like good academics and athletics. So yeah. it was pretty good, like a good experience, you know, with with that. And then what like really 
like kind of made me want to go fully into music. I mean, I started off like learning how to read sheet music through mm -hmm. like playing instruments. So like I played like the sax and all that kind of stuff just to really understand right. the background of how to play different notes, you know? So then it grew from, you know, playing the sax to then, you know, playing keyboards and then actually playing on different, you know, instruments. And then when I started like recording it and making it into beats and I was like, oh shoot, all these like things that yeah. come in my head, now I can actually put it down yeah. and hear it later, you know? So I'm like, all right, yeah. So then I started making beats. And then back then my name was uh, the Young Hustler because I was, you know, that was my thing, like being a hustler. Like everybody yeah. know me for whatever hustle what I got, got going on. What you got, to say? What you got going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I already got some kind of hustle going on. So yeah. that was my name back then, the Young Hustler. And um, you know, you know, I started making beats back then, and mm -hmm. then that was one of my hustles, you know. No, okay. So you was like, you would charge somebody to make a beat, shit like that. Yep, yep. I was working with you know different artists, like I said, like luckily. Um, mm -hmm. and like one notable one was like Bump J um, mm -hmm. back in Chicago. Yeah, I heard like, him before. Like I knew his sister, so she was like, yeah, just send me beats and I'll give it to him. And then just, that's what like really got me going. You know what I mean? Cause like he had got signed to Atlantic and stuff like that. So he was doing Oh, he got signed eventually? Yeah, he, yeah, he was, got, I didn't even know if he was signed or not. Yeah, he was He was signed for a minute. Um, oh yeah, you working with the then, label. Yeah, and then he went and did his own thing somewhere else, but yeah, that that's what kind of like got me into it. Cause I was like, okay, yeah, now I'm working with a, like a, a artist that got something going on. Yeah. And then I started like you know moving um, to dealing with other artists too. You know, like you know Soldier Boy or Sean Kingston and all this kind of. They work with a big Draco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Sean Kingston too? Yeah, Sean Kingston. Even he, he ain't pay me y'all. <laughs> he still okay. owe me money. Ah <laughs> oh, man. But you know what I mean, like you know, I was like dealing with artists like that, and I was like, okay, cool, you know, I can actually get some money. Pay up, Sean Kingston. I was playing, man. It's got nothing to do with me, but uh, uh, I guess when you said Soldier Boy and Sean Kingston, it reminded me when he was uh, beefing with Quavo. Oh yeah, that yeah. shit had me laughing like that whole. Well, I think it lasted about a week. That shit was so funny. But um, okay, so cool. Um, where'd you go to college, bro? Did you go to college? Yeah, yeah, I went to college. Um. You know, I went to Purdue University at mm, first, okay. you know, um, and I went there for like business management. Oh, know, okay. At the Kerner School of Management back then. And it was good, man. Um, it was a good experience. Just only thing is like, it was in the middle of Indiana, bro. Like that was depressing <laughs> as hell. Cause like, right. like being over there, it was like, it was like nothing to do outside of the campus. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it was like 40,000 students. It was a mixed crowd. Oh, it's a big school. Yeah, big school. Oh, you okay. Know, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's like top thirty school in the country. You yeah, know what I mean, so it's a good school. But what type of grades you had to get to get in a school like that? Uh, I probably think you probably need at least like a three point two or something like that GPA but, and good test scores. Yeah, yeah, good test scores. I probably like then I think they were like in the Midwest who was like primarily doing like the ACT uh, test scores instead of the SAT. So probably like around like over twenty four or twenty five to get in. You know. Yeah, no, nah, I feel you. Um, see, that's why I like, I never had like the best test scores. I was like, cool, you know, I can get a B in the class. Either. Yeah, yeah. If I try really hard, I can probably get an A, and I, I ain't gonna get lower than the C, but I can pull a C up. Right. But um, that's what's up. So I went to a smaller school. It's called Albany State University. It's in South Georgia. It's uh, actually an HBCU. Okay. Go. So like, I graduated high school. So after going to, to the, um, I ain't gonna say white school. It's the multicultural school. 
Okay. Um, I was kind of ahead because of the way they scheduled the classes. Yeah. And most people will fill up, fill their schedule up with extra classes. But I'm like, I'm like, hell no, nah, I don't want to take no honors. I'm not gonna pick up a soccer, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. I ended up going to an alternative school, Frank McLaren. It's basically like the bad school, mm -hmm. but um, it's cool. It's easy. You know, you're in there for two hours, and it's, it's damn near like special ed. You know, you know the guys that's in class when you in some, like high school, yeah. and every time y'all take a test, somehow they go to a smaller classroom. It's only four of them. And they always manage to get yeah. a good grade. Yeah, I'm like, how y'all pull that up? Yeah, it was damn. Near, it was damn near school full of that, man. So I took advantage, and um, I used to like after school, I was kind of like the hustle. I would just venture off. I'd be like at uh, the five points. That's like the downtown strip mall kind of thing. Like okay. not strip mall, but it's like downtown. And I end up going to like the AUC. That's like Clark and stuff. Right. And I find other people that I knew that went to AUC. So I hang out after school, mm -hmm. and I was like, I can't really afford this. Um, your school, but I was like, I ended up finding that just through that. Just okay, what's a similar vibe? But, but it's a small school, bro. I never really been to a large. I never been to a larger campus. So, I guess what what you think an advantage would be to going to a big school like that? Uh, networking, bro. Like you got all the different networks. You know what I mean? Like real, real organization. Yeah, real, real money in the school. Real money in the school. But then on top of that, like <clears throat> I understand like the the need for going to HBCUs, but then I also understand that, you know, PWIs. Hell yeah. Because like with PWIs, you connecting with more people outside of just, you know, our people. Brother, yeah, even like how you um you need both, bro. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, somebody in your shoes, like the reason why I did go there is cause I couldn't. So it's like if you don't if you can't afford to go to no PWI get the scholarship. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. You know, go to a local one. But understand it's gonna be more on you to make some exactly. shit work as opposed to like being a combination of you and their resources. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Ain't really that many resources. Like I never saw no fancy internship opportunity or we didn't have like a lot of, like we had Rick Ross went to high school before he ended up, I guess, selling crack slash being a, <laughs> See a correctional officer, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He played a little football and it's like, yeah. it's like not really a lot of resources, it's more love. Like, yeah. like more people feel like cousins. Like even people I don't like at schools, like they feel like my, I feel like they cousins. Yeah. But, um. Okay, cool. Yeah, even like how you said you worked at uh, Wall Street. I, if if I had the resources, I would have, because those are like my favorite type movies, like Pursuit of Happiness, Boiler Room. Exactly. Um, Fucking Wolf on Wall Street. I just watched that the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even stuff like The Big Short. Those yeah. would be like my favorite movies, you know what I'm saying? I would have, and like if I had an opportunity, I would have I would have been just as hungry as Chris Gardner as far as like, I would have walked there every single day just to Just to get try that to opportunity. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Um. Shit, how you end up making the Wall Street, bro? Well, you went to a good school for one. Well, I mean, that that's like more like pre-college situation with me because like what I did before I went to college was I went to this thing um, called the LEAD program. Mm. It's the Leadership Education and Development Program. And mm. I even put like even people that came behind me on that. But like what that was is like during high school, um, you had to be like a junior high school or something like that, right? Right. So you sign up for the the uh, the the summer program, mm -hmm. and then you would actually pick a university where the program was like enrolled in. Right. That summer, mm -hmm. you go there that summer, and then you get the opportunity to speak with like different. Um, I'll say you get the opportunity to speak with different, you know, firms that were mm. local in that area. Right. Oh, that's lit. So when I was in high school, I actually attended the program at the University of Illinois. Mm. And then from there, um, you know, 
we got to, you know, speak with like Price Waterhouse, Coopers, KPMG, all these other like big firms. And we were already in their network just from being there as high school students. So then yeah. by the time college came, um, when they were offering things like internships or like what I did was, uh, you know, like a summer analyst position at Goldman. Mm -hmm. I had already had a, a, a step higher than a competition just from being in that program. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they, they saw that I was like dedicated even before I got into my major. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, exactly. That shows something, bro. People yeah. switch their majors. Yeah, people switch their majors. They all drop the time. classes and all, yeah. Yeah, they, they but they saw that I was dedicated to what I was wanting to do. So then when it came down to actually, you know, applying, they saw my name there and then it was like, Okay, well, cool, let's put them down as a you know, as that some analyst and that's how I got my first position. And that was in uh like two thousand ten as a financial analyst position, summer financial mm -hmm. So it was That's pretty lit. cool. Yeah, that was pretty dope. So I was like, hard, bro. yeah, that, I was, that was pretty dope. But um, yeah, you know, um, I did that while in college. That was the first time that I went to Goldman. And, you know, it was cool, cool little experience. And then that's how I thought of the name Goldman Stacks. Cause I was yeah, like, I'm like, I can't be no young hustler all my life, bro. Like I'm gonna have to outgrow it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to outgrow that name. All that, bro, that's the top. <laughs> all this shit. Yeah, so I'm like, I, I gotta Oof. outgrow that name. So I outgrew that name and then, um, you know, graduated up to, you know, the level while I was at, you know, while I was at the office on 200 West Street. I'm like, bro, like I can't be calling myself no young hustler no more. So you graduated, bro. Yeah, graduated. So not <laughs> now it's time to stack up. So it's, it's, it's Goldman Stacks now. So that's what my name is as far as a producer and all that. So for anybody that's never heard of Goldman Sachs, it's like top firm in Wall Street. It's not Bank of America, you know, like that's like the bottom, you know, as far as financial services industry. You know, Wall Street is like the top of the top. They say it's harder to get on Wall Street than going to Princeton and Harvard, bro. So it's like so like less than you know, I think they have like less than a 14% application um, acceptance rate. That's pretty good. And also one thing he highlighted was the fact that he joined these organizations dedicated toward introducing young people to these top firms. So if anyone is in school, because I know I didn't make it in corporate America, but had I took some more advice and maybe communicated more with recruiters or there's these organizations, organizations dedicated toward, um, you know, pe putting people that are at a certain age or position in their life and connecting them with professionals, you know, that's a must because when I graduated, like the biggest thing they said was no experience. We can't, you know, we can't hire you. Then I'm the type of person also, I might not give you the most banging first impression. Like I got to, most of the time I got to show you a little more. Like I got to show you that the work ethic, it might take more than one than an elevator pitch or an hour interview from, for me to actually show my worth. So that'd be a cool opportunity for someone to, for you to show your worth without being so, um, so compete basically without being so competitive meaning like you know once it's time to eat once you graduate it's time to eat it's more you know it's more pressure you know when it comes down to hiring you but if you're just kind of going for an intern position or you're just going to you know help out a firm for a summer you know basically an internship opportunity opp apprenticeship opportunity i feel like that's an easier way to get your foot in the door so i feel like that's some advice for anyone who want to jump start their career because one of the biggest things they say for people at graduated college is we can't find a job in our major and that's because i feel like we don't really the time that you're in school you got time but when you graduate you like damn i need money so i just take anything so well yeah man so cool man how'd you like working on wall street man that was dope like because it was actually the work you know you actually did work it wasn't just like you no know, like 
entry level internship. It was like an analyst position. So you actually actually had to do the work as an analyst for that summer. And they paid you a stipend, you know, but you actually had to do the work. And it was actually really dope to really see that. But in that summer, um, or I saw them in 2010, and I got a preview of it that winter. Then came back that early part of that summer, so of 2011, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, it was it was really interesting to just see like New York, you know, New York City, and, and be there for that period of time. You know, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, yeah and you, know? you got some top like. I ain't gonna lie, it's like somebody like me, that would have been like a dream. I ain't gonna even lie, like working on Wall Street. Yeah, that, that young too. Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, because I, <clears throat> I was watching Boiler Room. They said, uh, he was like, um, Biggie Small said, I ain't got no no jump shot, so I gotta sell crack rock. I ain't have, <laughs> I ain't have Goldman Sachs, so I had to sack up something, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I didn't get caught here I am today, so. You know that's it, man. Don't do drugs, kids. But anyways, man. Um, nah, that's dope, bro. Like that's like that would have been like a dream come true. So as a financial analyst, what type of clients did you have? We had all different kind of like clients that were clients of Goldman. Yeah, they got you know, a big so, book, bro. It's Goldman, yeah, bro. It's like you had all different kind of clients, like just. But you wasn't in charge of bringing in new customers. You were just kind of like giving clients yeah, and yeah, analyzing. Yeah. And. All right, to even bank with Goldman Sachs, like what type of bank account you got to have to even bank with them? Or do you? They changed it now. It, okay. Back then, it was like more strict, but now they got this thing called Marcus by Goldman Sachs. So y'all can sign up for that, you know, if y'all want to. But it's like no minimums, no minimum deposits, nothing like that. But back then, it was a whole lot more strict on like if you yeah. wanted to have, a, you know, Goldman as a broker. You said Marcus? Marcus. M-A-R-C-U-S, like the name. What would be the advantage of banking with Goldman? at this like okay uh the i would say you know and this is just in general high yield savings accounts like if you get a high yield savings account you can grow your money way more faster than you would at any traditional banking branch that you can go to in person right so like let's say what you mentioned like bank of america or jp morgan chase you know what i mean like they're giving you barely anything on your savings right checking you ain't getting nothing but on your savings you barely getting anything right yeah with a high yield savings account, which those don't typically offer, but with a high yield savings account, bro, you can get like four point seven five percent on average. You know, I think right now Marcus is offering four point four, mm-hmm. um, and then I think Amex is offering four point three, mm-hmm. but like you got bigger ones, um, well smaller ones that's offering bigger yields, like four point seven five percent. And right. with that four point seven five percent, you can grow your money quick. You know what I mean? Like, like let's say you get to the point where you got like. 30,000 and you want to put it up somewhere right you can easily turn it into like you know 1400 a year or if you want to scale that even higher let's say how, three how much 1400 in, in interest if you pay how much 30,000 yeah 30,000 yeah that's dope you know or doing nothing nothing just sitting on your money how you yeah or if you get to the point where you're scaling it up higher and higher to like bigger numbers what i'm used to like three million or something like that yeah it's 140,000 that's a job for some people 140,000 you're not even working you just letting your money work for you Exactly. Okay, so one advantage high yield savings. Um, I guess basically, just like it suggests, a high yield savings is a savings account that gives you a high yield of return. Yep, high yield of return. You ain't got to do no work for it. Any more? Any more advantages for the average banker? Um, yeah, and, and still liquid too. It's not like a CD, you know, certificate yeah. of deposit. You yeah. got to get locked up for like six months or a year or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. With high yield savings, it's still liquid. You can still take your money out whenever you need to. Yeah. And I think they only got like limits of like 
you know, certain banks got limits of like, you know, five million or something like that that you can put in there. So if you want to put in, you know, at most that you can put that in there. And it literally that could be like a side job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or if you get loans or something like that, like, you know, you can put that money in there and just have that rack up while you work with what you what you need with your other capital. Mm. How long was the training before you worked for Goldman? Uh the training actually for me, it kinda started like in the process before I even got there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. that, that winter in 2010 was like, okay, this is what you need to be doing if we're gonna select you. And then in that whole process from waiting on them to select me to then getting selected and then preparing, I was like training. Right? What, 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 when you say training, what was you doing? It's like I was doing the research as to what it takes to be a financial analyst. Like that all shit those, sound broad, bro. So it wasn't a specific type of financial analyst? It, no, it's like a, a, a wide cover of like what a financial analyst would be doing in a daily basis. Yeah, so I was like trying to train myself on that. Okay. So when I came there, I performed better, you know, as far as like studying what the markets would be or studying what the client would typically want as far as like their finances go. All right, so when you got hired, like what type of, um, what type of, what type of reports were you analyzing or what type of situations were you analyzing? Uh, basically just financial reports from, you know, the markets, like just mm-hmm. really studying the market back then. And this was like post recession or like yeah. trying to get out of the recession. Obama time. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, you know, Goldman at the time didn't have a good reputation. Yeah. Cause, cause they were doing the buyout. Yeah. Part of, yeah. The buyouts, the yeah. bank buyouts. Yeah. So we didn't have a good reputation back then. So it was known as the villains back then. But. Yeah, they're the ones that, that <laughs> fucked America up. Yeah, so. Yeah, I fucked America up, man. <laughs> These interest rates. Yeah, so, I mean, that was that. You know, it was it was cool to see, but I just realized that New York City wasn't the city for me, you know? And the only other options that they had as far as that type of position was in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then, like, some other city. The worse. Yeah, I'm like, no. Nah, Salt Lake City. Yeah, I'm like, like, I like this position, but I don't like you know, working that long of a time period of my day, giving yeah, it like, up. What, what, how long you, what, what type of, what you was working, 12 hour days? Yeah, they got, they, on average, it was like 10 to 12 hour days. Yeah. And then when I spoke to like people that was like full-time higher ups that been there and, and been tenured in the, in the firm, like pub, most people was like, yeah, I don't really have that much of a like work-life balance like how I want. Yeah. And I was like, dang, like that kind of sucked, bro. Like you already in your 30s and your yeah. 40s. And you ain't got your work life balance right. Yeah. And you trading it off. You trading your time, like what you were saying. Yeah, you know, time like for money. It's kind of you trading your time for money in that way. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to continue with that. You know. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? Because I mean, at the end of the day, um, you gotta work smarter, not harder. I get it. Cause you, you, it's like when you in an environment, that competitive environment, everybody go getters. Yeah. It's kind of like you don't want to leave that room. Exactly. Cause like you can leave that room and like. That motivation every day it does help, bro. Like just like when I go to the gym, I go to the gym called Rich and Fit, and they um bunch of crazy swole motherfuckers in there six thirty in the morning every day. Exactly, it's like a crazy environment, but I'm scared to leave because it's like <laughs> the people in there. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like yeah. So I feel like that's one reason people get stuck because, and then it's like that's one thing I like about what I do. So it's like that's like the high end up of business as far as like how to make six figures, seven figures. Exactly. I feel like, but you take that skill and and come like. All right, so you remember you you remember Wolf on Wall Street? Mm-hmm. All right, so when you, when you competing on sex, it's like okay, it's dope, it's a good environment. But you see how how easy it was for him to just kind of kick ass when he went to the Invest Center, the little bootleg right. uh, penny stock firm or whatever. So exactly. it's kind of like that. So 
it's easier to it, you can make the same amount of money like not necessarily as Goldman Sachs because they getting a lion's share, they getting billions every year. Yeah. Well, say you want to make one hundred fifty thousand, you could do like if you could take that same skill, you could sell insurance and make that type of money. You know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, without having to, you can build a business. With, you know, with, you can slowly build a business where you exactly. bring it in a hundred thousand a month. Exactly. And it's the same, but you it's easier when you put that work in and build some shit. Like, okay, cool. We're gonna be working this hard. I put five years in. I put ten, but I ain't finna put fifty years of straight. Exactly. You know what I mean? Then them people like fast money. It's kind of like the, the Wall Street people. That's like the fast money of the damn like drug dealers, the strippers. Like at the end of the day, they spend a lot, a lot of them people spend a lot of money because you're around all these people as much money as they want. And these people spend their money too, so it's like a lot of them be having drug problems, be yep. buying up car. You know, then you work at Goldman Sachs, you gotta have the Goldman Sachs whip, and it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, some some didn't. Some was like living a real modest lifestyle. Huh? Smart people. Yes, yeah. Some people was like, you know, you, yeah, smart you people. wouldn't even really know, you know. Yeah. And some some of my people I still kick it with, you know what I mean? They still work there. They still cool people, yeah. but you wouldn't really know, you know what I mean? Like they they not really flashy like that. I ain't flashy, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They ain't flashy for sure, you know? Yeah. How much was you making on on Wall Street, bro? Like at at, at your peak, or like how did it go with the, with the pay structure? Was it what is it like um, base play pay plus commission? Was it? Yeah, it was it was base play plus plus the commission of it, but okay. I didn't stay in that financial analyst position that long because that was a position that was dedicated for like college students at first. Right? Yeah. So then, um, after after that was over with that summer, um, I then relocated from New York City to back to campus for like a week, um, back in Indiana, right? And then from there, I got uh, offered a position to come work in LA to work on a book, right? So then. I'm in my junior, like finishing my junior year at Purdue, and then now I'm, I'm relocating to LA to work on this book. And this is one entrepreneur guy. He was worth like, at the time, I think he was worth only like 250, 250 million. And he was like, yo, I, I need you to come out here and work on this book. I seen the work that you've been doing, you know, with marketing and stuff like that, with, you know, the, you know, videos and all that kind of stuff with DTP and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. I just skipped over all that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, okay, cool. But, but you yeah, good, you good. Yeah, yeah. He uh he saw some of the work that I was doing with with some of the uh you know marketing material I was like putting out with some of the music and videos and music videos and all that. He's like, I need you to come out here and work on um this book because somebody told me about you mm. and you know maybe you can help. I was like, okay, cool. I, I I pull up there. So then I ended up moving to LA for the rest of that summer from like July until, or it was supposed to be from July until a week after the book launched, which was mm -hmm. around the like first week of August. Mm -hmm. And long story short, bro, um, came out there, finished up the book, changed the whole look of the book to be like an orange book. Um, with like a silhouette of him. Well, it was him, but in black and white. And then it was called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain by Ryan Blair. Um, but we added the subtitle, um, how I went from a gang member to a multimillionaire entrepreneur, right? Mm. He's a white guy, right? Mm. And he was from, um, you know, Thousand Oaks, Moore Park, California. And that's not really no dangerous neighborhood at all, right? But at the time, of him growing up, he did run with a you know with a gang you know what I mean that was in that local area. It's more like a mostly white area, right? But they had you know they had they you know 
they had their gangs back then somehow too. Right? Yeah, they clicks. <laughs> yeah, they had their little clicks too. He was one of them, like you know the forces or whatever. But <laughs> you know we used that that strategy to actually help sell books. You know what I mean? Like that actually put the books in so many people's face. You know, to where um, we got you know it people talking about it on like the target markets from like you know like the homepage back then. Mm. Yahoo.com is still the thing. Right. Right. So this is 2011. So like being on the front page of Yahoo.com was big, you know, NBC News, Fox News, all those kind of things, SEO. different things. Yeah, all that. And he was the, you know, on the front of it, you know, talking about how he went from a gang member to a monster millionaire entrepreneur. People want to know that. Like, what do you mean by that? You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what got people to want to go, you know, and see what the book was about. The book ended up becoming the number one New York Times bestseller, you know? And he attributes a lot of that to a lot of the marketing, you know, strategies I put behind just in like social media marketing, mm -hmm. you know, digital media marketing and then getting them on like TV shows and, you know, you know, news, you know, reportings and all that kind of stuff. Basically and speaking live. a lot of PR. Yeah. Like Basically I, PR. I, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like, you know, we was doing a lot of like different press runs for him to get, you know, number one. And then. I was like, man, I ain't going back to Indiana. <laughs> Forget that. Like, I'm, yeah. I was like, I'm not finna drop out, but I'm gonna try to figure out something else so so I can stay in L.A. Right. So I'm like, all right, let me try to transfer. And then I ended up transferring to Pepperdine mm. in Malibu. So I, I transferred. Malibu's most wanted. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like ended up being, you know, living that. You know, so um, yeah, it was cool to just like, just see something that, like, okay. Did I really want to go, like, cause like I'm in my early like twenties, yeah. You know what I mean. So, uh -huh. well, I twenty twenty one, right? So I'm like oh, trying yeah, to yeah. figure things out, bro. Like yeah. I ain't got it all figured out. So I'm like I'm not gonna stay committed to something that a lot of people are telling me they're not happy with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I go me like people was like, yeah, I ain't really got it all figured out as far as work life balance. I'm like, man, I gotta have my life. I gotta live my yeah, life, yeah. bro. And you, and you at that age, where you can plot this shit out. Yeah, so I'm like, like getting in too deep. I'm like, I already did the the music industry, and then Wall Street, but then now I'm in the book industry, and then the book industry. This money coming in fast, so I'm yeah, like, yeah, from the sales of the book. Yeah, from the sales of the book, cause it went from like, like really nobody hearing about him or knowing about him. Like he was kind of like more like a behind the scenes kind of dude, but you know his business was doing well, but like. You didn't really see his face like that, but then now he's seeing it, you know his face is everywhere, and he's growing into being like kind of like a little celebrity or something like that because yeah. of the book sales. Yeah, and then those book sales was like you know the book is like twenty dollars a pop. We did over like three hundred twenty thousand sales mm, of that shit. of that book. So that was really quick, and it was published by Penguin and all that. So that was like one of the top publishers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, man, that was like a um, that was a, like a big life changing moment for me because that was like that was my first like big client. Yeah. You know, for like my media agency. So, exactly. And so I'm just that, thinking about the VC. I'm like, he got, he know how to, he know how to put some shit out there to the public. Yeah, yeah. So that was like my first big thing, man. And that was like my first big client, like I said, for Immortal Media, bro. Like, you know, um, and then from there, we just grew the team, grew the clientele. And, you know, I ended up staying in LA, bro. Like, you know, I was like, man, this is, this is more so the city for me. You know what I mean? Cause I, I like going to the beach, bro. I like, the, you know, beautiful women, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all that, you. you know? So, you know, 
the weather, all that. Yeah, so I'm the like climate, you know, shit legal that way. Yeah, out there. yeah, everything almost to. legal out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm you know, like, you, you know, you can have some fun. Yeah, I'm like, give me that. So yeah, that that's what brought me out there. Um, yeah, you know, and that's what. what yeah, um, I was gonna say, man. Um, I got this. Is my book, man. You know, I ain't worth two hundred fifty million. <laughs> worth about two hundred fifty thousand, man. But don't okay. tell the IRS. All right. All right. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's my book, man. It's called Navigate the Great Roadmap. Uh, it's called the G Navigate the Great GPS for the Road Riches. Okay. I'll give you a copy. We'll sign it before on yes, the way sir. out, man. And, yes, um, sir. You you wrote a book yourself, though, right? Huh? Didn't didn't you write a book? I don't, I think I read something in your bio. Was this the one you were talking about? Yeah, that's this the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll finish. Nice dope. So this is a self help book. Yeah. Combines a lot of the cool concepts from books like Think Grow Rich, Richest Man in Babylon. We just kinda wrote it. We um wrote it in layman's terms. Okay. So anybody anybody from um you know, anybody like that look like us or you don't gotta look like us. Anyone that's wants to read a quick read and wants some jokes in between and learn something yeah. in between. It's the book for you, man. So all right. Yeah. All right, so look. The most all right, so going back to the sex field. Not <laughs> six fifths. Goldman Sachs. Yeah, Goldman Sachs, yeah. Goldman Sachs. Trippy. So what's the most like what's the most money you, you were making per month? Because I know you were young and I know your right. position. But still at the position, I just wanna know. Just curious. Right, so Per month, um, it was probably around like it wasn't that much, bro. Like it was probably around like like eight to ten. Okay, but you eight was making it. But that was later. That wasn't even that first time as a financier. That oh, was okay. later. I went back again in twenty thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was later on. Because um, when I went back again in twenty thirteen, that was for the tech analyst position. Mm. So when you went in for tech. I'm the only one that was there, like that had like a business background. Everybody else was like computer science majors and stuff like that. So everyone was yeah. like, like, dang, you here as a business major? I was like, yeah, I'm the only one. Like, yeah, you got an advantage, bro. Yeah. And them people, they be, they be overthinking. Yeah, so I'm like. Analysis, paralysis, like you, you know how to say, okay, this the point, we need to get here. Yeah. They looking at, but what about, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they, they computing. Yeah, I kind of got that mindset too, but yeah. I know how to balance it. No, of course. You know, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that I, that's what kind of like works in my advantage. So cool. All right, man. We're gonna talk about DTP, man. So you know, Ludacris. Yeah. That was like one of the first, like when I was coming up. That was like the first, like um, dirty version CD. Yeah. It was word of mouth. Yeah. That was my shit back in the day, man. So you said you were doing something for um, how that happened, man, with DTP and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So like, this was, I think Christmas of like '07, right? Mm. And um. I'm in high school, so I'm like, I heard about there being like a in-store signing with uh, with Chingy, and he was gonna be there. Mm -hmm. So this was in Chicago, and we had a blizzard that day, and I'm like, man, like, dang, I ain't gonna be able to do that to like let him hear my beats, cause you know I was making beats, but I was like, man, I want to go somewhere major, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, it's an opportunity, but then the freaking blizzard came. Shit. <laughs> so I'm like, I forget it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there anyway. So I made my way up there. Um. And then, you know, I had to buy a CD. And then I'm like, hey, bro, you know, I got beats. You know what I mean? Like, I do that one all the time. I, I'm like, bro, I got beats, bro. <laughs> I do that move all the time. You know, I'm a teenager, but, you know what I mean? Trust me, my beats hard. So then he's like, all right, man, uh, you know, get Keisha email. Give it to her right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was like, man, get, get Keisha email. That's my that's my guy. And then, uh, you know, y'all email back and forth, and then we'll go from there. And I emailed Keys like beats for like a good six months. Then I sent him this one beat that I did where it was like uh it was like with 
the organ involved with it. And then I actually used a real live guitar, the yeah. electric guitar yeah. in the beat. And it switched from like a hip hop beat to at the end, it was like a R&B beat. And this was before like Drake was starting to do that. Cause like yeah. you said, this was like 08, bro. Yeah. So then that summer, um, when I sent that beat, uh, it ended up getting forwarded to Chingy Chingy hit me up. He's like, bro, you did that? I was like, yeah, I did that. He's like, man, I need you to, I ain't gotta introduce you to some people, bro. Like, <laughs> like we need to get, get some work done. So I'm like, I bet. And so, you know, um, that's how that got introduced. And that's still my guy to this day. Um, Chingy. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, cause looking out, you know what I mean? Like he ain't have to do that, you know? And I, I reached out to like plenty of other artists too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I didn't send them all my beats, but I'm saying like, I reached out to other artists. Some people didn't respond like how I would want them to. Yeah. But he actually reached out. So I'm like, ah, right, you, you straight up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most people talk bad about him, but I'm like, y'all don't really know him like that. Like dude actually looked out. So, yeah, I seen Sexy Red put him on stage the other day. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I seen that too. Shit. So yeah. I'm like, cool, bro. Like, I appreciate it. So then, you know, that that introduced me to the to the DTP family and with his label, it was Slider Lot Records. So like, yeah, Slider Lot DTP Dev Jam. So it was it was cool, you know, um, to like work with all those different kind of people, you know, um, and even people on the label, like you know. Like I said, there was other people that was leaving from Chicago that Chris had signed, which is like Block Exchange or BXC as they were called. Um, you know, Titty Boy, Two Chains. You know, Big Titty Boy back then. Yeah, that was right before True Religion and all this shit. Yeah, yeah, it was right around that time. Yeah, um, like I remember when he dropped like Up and Smoke and all that. It was like it was a, that was a good time, man. Bro, I did too many push-ups this week. <laughs> Bro, my damn tricep aching. It just <laughs> it's driving over. Rich and fit, damn. Yeah, right, man. Not bad, man. What you gonna say? What you saying? Yeah, no, nah, just like just working with them and like you know making beats behind the scenes and then like you know um, you know basically <laughs> yeah yeah basically you know just writing getting better at my craft and you know dealing with you know artists back then it was cool to see but then I also started working with other artists on my own yeah <clears throat> yeah other artists on your own yeah so when I started working with other artists on my own. Um, I ended up like reaching out with, you know, like I said, Soldier and Sean Kingston and them. But then mm. I uh, started reaching out to people that I knew on the West Coast, right? Mm -hmm. So there's one cat, um, his name is B.O. Shout out to B.O. Um, he was, you know, he was a rapper back then with Top Dog, with right. Top Dog Entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, and he was part of their crew alongside, you know, like J-Rock. J-Rock was the head right. of the team. Um, Kendrick, he went by K Dot back then, Abso, Schoolboy Q. And oh, um, you had the whole collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, before they even formed Black Hippie, right? So like, you know Damn, Yeah. Um yeah, BO, he had reached out, he's like, Man, like you, you make music and stuff like that, right? I was like, Yeah, yeah. He's like, Man, you gotta work with us. I was like, All right, like what y'all do? You know what I mean? I ain't really heard much of it with what they had back then. Yeah. But I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's work on a tape together or something. So then we ended up working on this tape called uh, The Blockade. Right. So it was called The Blockade Mixtape. Um, Top Dog Entertainment presents, you know, mm -hmm. The Blockade Chicago Edition Volume 1. Mm -hmm. And basically we just, we did all the songs. I hosted it. I did some of the beats in the background. And, you know, we released it on you know different platforms throughout Chicago, okay. and then other streaming platforms like Dat Piff and all Dat that. Dat Piff, Line yeah. Mixtapes and shit. Yeah, like that. all that when that was running. You, you know, what I mean? Coalition DJs. Oh, you mm -hmm. might. That was like more. I, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we. Ain't, I don't think we collab with them at all. 
but yeah, man, it, it was dope to see. You know, yeah. uh, that was our first project. That was oh nine. That was 09. Yeah, that was 09, bro. Yeah, you so, got a lot of you got a lot of work done between 2007 <laughs> to 09. Man, so yeah, so yeah, that was 09. That was our first project together. Um and you can check that out on my website too, um on goldmanstacks.com. But yeah, man, um yeah, that was our first project. And we you know, been working since, you know, on and off with, you know, like, you know, different artists on the label, you know, yeah. from from Dot to J-Rock and all them kind of people, you know. So Mm -hmm. my guys you um you still got a connection with uh big draco uh yeah i mean he he lived nearby me you know what i mean and he still come and rent some of the cars that that uh one of my cars is at you know okay so, so like yeah, he's, he's still cool yeah he um cool. you rock with him on some some type of anything business wise like with, when it comes down to vc or anything like that anything big like that or nah not with him no nah. yeah nah, I, I ain't never did no business with him like that on that yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah but it'd be cool to do. I'm open to it. Yeah, because, you know, he love, <clears throat> seems like he love attaching his name to, to up and coming type of thing. So, yeah. Now, that's what's up, man. Shout out Draco, man. Hopefully, I meet you one day, Draco. But, um, but yeah, bro. That's what's up, bro. So, um, what was your first impression of Ludacris when you first met him? Man, <laughs> think about Luda, man. I Like, Luda's cool, bro. He cool as hell. Like, yeah. I, I ain't really. I ain't really had too much to say, you know, but I always thought, like, from looking at him and watching him on TV, I always thought he was taller. <laughs> but I met bro, That's I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, what? <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> you know, it just, he just seemed taller to me, and, and surprisingly, Chinga was taller than him. So I'm like, That's nah, crazy. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so I'm like, that's, that's kind of weird. With two chains, he, he got enough. Two chains, yeah, yeah, two chains. He was a real hooper, like. Yeah, he went to um, he went to Alabama State. That's when my mom went. Yeah, like my mom from like Montgomery, so I was kind of like I was born out there. So yeah, I got uncles and I got people that know them or whatever. But I don't really, I don't. Really, I grew up in College Park, so yeah, I know. You know those names are pretty, you know, pretty, pretty much names. You know they, you know they show you can make it. Like okay, they can do it. Yeah, you know you got you get, got like a lot of Atlanta pride or whatever. Exactly. What about Two Chains, man? From Two Chains, first time meeting Titty Boy, not Two Chains, but like you know, first impression of Two Chains when you met him. Titty boy, whatever. I mean, he he was always laid back and cool, bro. Like, you know what I mean? He he a Virgo, just chill all the time, you know what I mean? He mm. would smoke. That's probably about it. But yeah. he chill guy, he chill guy. I just um, went I just went to a birthday party. He had like a disco seventies vibe type of birthday party. It was yeah. pretty fun. Oh uh, yeah. When was that? Uh his birthday this year. Oh, this year? Yeah. So yeah, Virgo I, season. Last time I seen him was uh the fourth. Like Cause game invited me to like one of his little birthday. I mean, not the birthday, but like Fourth of July, Fourth of July party. And yeah. yeah, yeah, he showed up. Oh, that's lit. Yeah, it was pretty dope, bro. Uh, any funny DTP Tony stories Texas, that you bro. can recall? Funny DTP stories. Nah, it was like I would say. Nah, I ain't really got no funny ones. I ain't really got no funny ones. It was it was like. Yeah. Just being able to just see all that that they were uh, doing at that time, like mm -hmm. basically like Ludacris just like transitioning from music to film and working on the Fast series and all that kind of stuff. It was like real informative for me, and that's what made me kind of like want to just like not focus so much on music because a lot of music wasn't being made back then with in house with DTP. It was more so like I mean they did the Battle of the Sexes album. That was pretty nah, much it. You. I know, you know, I know I mean? exactly what you're saying. It was like, 
It was like Luda was kind of big, so it was like labels. He'll do some label shit, but the the, the street scene wise, it wasn't really. I got you. It wasn't too yeah, much going wasn't on. Much, it wasn't much going on, bro. So yeah. it felt like a lot of people was like kind of like just sitting on the shelf in a way. Yeah, know? they just like, like what's shit going? gone. Luda's gonna do your thing. <laughs> yeah, you right here. Yeah, man. So <laughs> you know, with that being said, I was like, okay, um, you know, he going and focusing on film. So then I was like, well, why can't I just like focus on building my portfolio? You know, with like, you know, recording some behind the scenes footage or editing that and getting better at that. So then that's what made me get into that hustle too, mm. of like understanding like what it took to be, to get into like post production and production and stuff like that. Yeah. So then that's yeah. when I started working on that, and then um, I started working on like Immortal Media TV. Um, you can like YouTube that, and you can see like a bunch of the different videos that we did um, from behind the scenes footage with like you know just traveling with ludicrous and getting some behind the scenes footage with that yeah i mean <clears throat> that's what I, I do a lot of behind the scenes things as well just with my my company or whatever and it just kind of helps me with the networking and just meeting meeting people in different places exactly. whether it's high low or in between not necessarily low positions but high positions or just left field positions like the person is working with the publicist and all that type of stuff yeah. That's what's up though um i learned a lot of stuff from music industry too from like the more of the local right you know just just seeing everything go from the process of being local then getting a little money then getting a little more money when you get signed and just meeting people and seeing okay you promote this way and that way so now it's like easier you know it's or it's easier to know who would need like even doing this it's easier to find out who needs a, to be on the podcast you know who you know who needs to tell that story and what purposes or whatever so yeah now nah, that's what's up bro um so your first thing you started doing with film was like getting like B-roll footage and stuff like that? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I say a little bit of B-roll footage, more so like BTS, you know, like behind the scenes stuff, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, you know, bringing that to the light, because a lot of people just see the, the finished product. They don't really get to see the full, you know, behind the scenes footage of things or like, you know, what that person had to say once they was done filming, you know? So I got some of that, you know, and, and got to like, you know, just work with editing you know, and building that up. And then once I started building that up, I then used that to my advantage when I was like, okay, this book tour. Well, yeah. well, okay, so we had a book run and then we had a book tour, right? So once the book was like already number one and solidified, oh yeah, we did a book tour to where yeah. we like went to different cities. Press runs yeah, and shit. And like just was doing like in-store signings. Like, so yeah. like, so Ryan was doing like in-store signings at different places. We did it like Atlanta and stuff like that. We had like Master P pull up and all these kind of people, Roy Jones Jr. All of them was like just pulling up to different tour stops. And, you know, it was cool to see, you know, cool to see all that, you know, actually happening and, you know, happen in real time, you know what I mean? Cause like, I, I never thought like by doing a book like that, that I would just be working alongside P like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and then now, like, like randomly, I would run into like P at Ralph's, which is a grocery store in L.A. Yeah, I heard Ralph's. Yeah, he he be like, oh, what what up, dude? They make you pay for bags and shit. Yeah, yeah, all throughout <laughs> all throughout uh, L.A. County for sure. Yeah, I think all throughout California probably. Yeah, but yeah, man. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like I just ran into him like what was that? I think like August, <laughs> and it was like he's like, man, what you doing over here? I was like, man, I live over here now. <laughs> we both live in like Calabasas area, so I'm like, I live over here. But you know, it was it's just cool to see that turn into that. You know what I mean? He gave you a box of Snoop Loops. 
Nah, I seen some at Target though, but they don't even put them in the right little section, bro. Them motherfuckers ain't them motherfuckers expensive too. Like, yeah, they like seven dollars, eight dollars. Yeah, it was like <laughs> eight nine bucks. I'm like, nigga, this the, the Cheerios four dollars. Yeah, man, I'm what like, the fuck? come on, Snoop. I'm like, no. I don't even. I gotta take this gamble on you, bro. Like, <laughs> it better be good. It, it ain't got no protein in it. It got a little, you know what? Come on, Snoop. God damn. <laughs> sell on just sell it on Amazon so you can lower the price, man. Yeah, I'm trying to some. I'm trying to fuck with you, Snoop. Love you, Master P, but you know, I can get two yeah. of their cereals for the price of one. Make it make sense. No, I'm just playing, man. <laughs> Matter of fact, man, y'all need to sponsor us, man. We need to we need to make it make sense, man. You know, as far as why we charge you eight, nine bucks. Yeah. You know, and you know, I don't got food stamps. I understand that y'all cater this type of product to people that have food stamps, but as somebody, you know, well, I do get my food stamps half off. So I I, I next time I do that, man, I I do that, man. But um yeah. nah, it's dope, bro. You know, I need to meet P. I feel like we got a lot of similarities. Yeah, man, he cool. He a cool guy, you know. Um, but yeah, man, just just to see that go from um, you know that that book go from that to a book tour to then afterwards, like okay, now the book tour is over. Like, what's next for me? You know, that's why I was from like, what's next? So then, when I was building up my portfolio before all this and just continuing editing videos and stuff like that, you know, building up my YouTube. Um, man, like I use that to my advantage when trying to get into film for real, right? Yep. So then I was like, okay, let me just try this film thing out next. You know, I'm still in my early twenties. Let me figure this out. So then, you know, I went and um, you know, applied at some stuff at HBO and ended up getting it. When you say apply, how you apply? So um, I knew of people that were like in HR at HBO. And yeah. I was like, you know, hey, what opportunities y'all got going yeah. for people that want to do post-production? He was like, okay, well, you got to apply here and yeah. go through these steps and, you know, submit your, your application, your reels, your portfolio of yeah. anything that you got, sizzles, all that. So I did all that and submitted it. And then I ended up um, getting a producer job at HBO and post-production, primarily okay, post. cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people, they be trying to figure out how to get into their career. Yeah. I don't care. I don't even care if you're a nurse or like I don't even care if you're trying to be a, a lawyer. Put some information on YouTube or put some put some videos up. That way you can send someone a link. They can see for one, the videos show how long you've been doing it. So if you've been doing it for two, three years, it showed them that you're really serious. And it's like, um, he was able to find someone in HR. You know, you might can find somebody in HR using LinkedIn. That's how I do things. Like I don't look yep. for the big people like that that everybody know. I look for like the the people in different positions like HR or something exactly. like that, marketing, HR, especially HR because that's what they do, human resources, that's what they do, they manage the, the people. So it's like instead of just going straight through the door, start looking on link websites like LinkedIn, find people, people have profiles, professional people have profiles, and you know, they, yep. you know, so, because they always looking for other jobs for that matter, so. Um, so yeah, man, I would say for anyone that's looking to get into the film industry, what he did was basically he had a portfolio. Yeah, he worked along some great sides, along the great side of some people like Ludacris and Two Chains and um, all those type of people. But um, Dollar and all them people. But for the most part, it's like you know you get your resume. Like instead of saying here, here's my resume. I went to this school and did that. Yeah, you know, no, yo, they YouTube. gotta see it. Yeah, they gotta see something, bro. Like they gotta see, yeah. something, especially with content, because. It's different type of ways to do it. Some people just do straight up. Some people got cool content. Some people make film content. So like you, you know, you, you let them know 
is that it'll show you, it'll show how long you've been doing it, and you'll show you some of your work. And then, like he said, man, he he knew some people. Like, how, how you end up knowing some people that were HR? Um, I ended up just knowing them through mutual just contacts. Life, just yeah, life. mutual contacts. I'm like, like, oh, you know them? Yeah, yeah, I know them. She works at H uh, HBO and HR. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know what? <laughs> Hey, I'm looking to get in the film. Yeah. <laughs> this is my reels of all the different things I did. Like, yeah. Like, see if this can apply to whatever y'all need as far as like openings at HBO. And, you know, that's what happened. And then I ended up working on a couple of shows there. You know, the first show was this show um, by Steven Merchant called Hello Ladies. Mm -hmm. And it was only one season of that, but it was a cool, cool little show. You know what I mean? Like, it was about his life transitioning from being in the UK to the u.s mm. and he wrote directed acted in was starred in and produced it too so oh, it, was, it was an interesting thing to just see him do all that together but you know i worked on that show then i worked on boardwalk empire season four boardwalk empire yeah how was that man working on boardwalk empire it was interesting because i had never really watched a show like that but my girl at the time was a, a avid watcher so she yeah, was like you, my brothers you, be watching that show they put me on it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, it was it was interesting because then I had to study it. You know, I had to study the, the the whole timeline of where things were by the end of season three to then transition to what was gonna happen in season four and then how to twist that timeline the way it made sense. You know, so mm -hmm. you know, working in pre production to a little bit of the production of that because a lot of it was filmed in the East Coast, right? Not mm -hmm. in L.A. So, doing that. Um, but then working in post-production too, it was just like, you know, just seeing how that worked made sense. And, you know, it was a, it was a cool experience, man, just to see how, you know, how the film industry really works, you know? Yeah. That, yeah, that was like, I feel you. That was a big opportunity, man. So what's some things you liked about working on Boardwalk Empire? Um, just being able to... Uh, slightly add in my little touch to the characters a little bit like with some of the some of the writing you know mm -hmm. in the pre-production phase or, or like you know even doing things like after the the writing was over with doing like the little coverage of each character and how they tied to one thing like kind of like a, a game plan or a blueprint of the map of how that season was going to play out mm -hmm. you know so it was cool to see all how all that played in a part and then to just know Ahead of time, before anybody else, yeah, and was like watching yeah, that, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, dope. man, hey, yeah, that's, yeah that no, you got to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, bro. you got to keep your, your mouth shut. You're like, like what's gonna happen next? I'm man? like, like I, I can't even tell you, bro. <laughs> I can get sued, bro. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I had science for shit, man. Um, man, hey, speaking of that, that 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 brought me to another thing. I even skipped over this, like in 2012, right? Yeah. This one girl I know, um, she. Uh, no DJ Pooh, right? Yeah, you know DJ Pooh. Yeah, of course. Friday, you made yeah. Friday, man. It's my yeah, favorite man, movie, on, dog. You talking about do I know DJ? Like, some people don't be knowing man, that. Know that man, the goat. Man, <laughs> he one come of the on goats, now. Right? right. So like, um, yeah, Pooh uh, was uh, the creative director on uh, uh, for like you know Rockstar Games Grand Theft Auto series, right? Oh, I ain't know that shit. Uh, yeah, so he it, it makes sense, bro. Yeah. Only nigga, only <laughs> nigga that made Friday could have made Grand Theft Auto, bro. Man, so he was doing like Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, and all that, right? And San Andreas is like probably one of the reasons why I wanted to live in LA so bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Playing that game growing up, I'm like, bro, like I, I gotta be in LA. I, I like this culture. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I right, bet. So then, like. 
She hit me up. She was like, hey, you want to be in Grand Theft Auto 5? I was like, hell yeah. I'm like, what you mean? Hey, what you, what she, she was like, all right, I'm going to set it up. So then she set it up with Pooh. And then, you know, I, I ended up meeting Pooh. And then on on a set of everything in Santa Monica, it was at this place called Pop Sound. Yeah. It don't exist no more anymore. But if you Google it, you'll see it existed. And when we went and did the, you know, the voiceovers for it, Mm-hmm. It was at Pop Sound in Santa Monica, and I ended up meeting Corrupt, all the like other other characters that were there too. Yeah, it was dope. Yeah, it was dope, man. It was dope just to just to be there, man, and, and get that experience of like the creation of a game that's still on the shelf today. It's the highest selling product ever. Yeah, but yeah, you know, we had to sign NDAs and all that kind of stuff for that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Take Two Interactive and, and Rockstar Games and all that kind of stuff, and then somebody. That I trusted ended up, you know, leaking out some of that information, bro. And I, that kind of effed me up in a way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. before the game, right before the game dropped. You know, but I I still ended up getting credits for it too. But I'm like, man, like, it's just you got to be safe and tight-lipped and tight-knit about everything. Because I didn't even tell much of anybody about the game or me being in the game. But just the fact that somebody had, you know, a picture of the, the contract I took a picture of. And then they leaked it, like bro, that, that kind of effed me up. So it even made me a little bit more like precautious about everything I do. Yeah, you gotta shut up. It'd be kind of hard. It's, it's not hard, but it's like you can't say shit. Can't say can't nothing. Let nobody in your world, bro, because it it might even be nothing you told them. If somebody's be sniffing around, they be yeah. told some shit, bro. Yeah, like it was something I just sent back and forth like to myself, and then they ended up seeing it on my computer. They then leaked it, and then now like if you yeah. Google like. If you Google like Grand Theft Auto Five Goldman statue, you'll probably still see it somewhere floating around on it. Yeah, like a, the the picture that I took. I'm yeah. like, yo, bro, I ain't. Why would I leak that? I'm in the game, bro. Like, why yeah, would I wanna... yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> why the hell would I want to leak that information? So I had to clear that up. But just so just so y'all know, never don't do nothing stupid like me. What I did, I took a picture of the contract just to look at it over later because I'm just trying to get to the recording, right? Don't ever do that. That's that's crazy. Um, and don't ever let nobody get any kind of information like that from you. Keep your laptops in a safe place. Safe place. No fun. Yeah. No nice. shit. No. <laughs> That's crazy. Hold That's on. Crazy. Is DJ Pooh? That's not red though, is it? Hmm. He didn't play red, did he? On Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I was just making sure. Yeah, the one that got punched. The one that got beat up by <laughs> Debo. Yeah. The one. Yeah. yeah, the one that my grandma gave me this necklace. Yeah, grandma gave me that Matter chain. Fact, I'm going to just tuck mine in. You know what I'm saying? It's my chain, punk. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I got an ashtray. Uh, I got an ashtray at home, bro. Yeah. And um, it got Debo, Red, and I think Red Daddy. No, it got Debo. <laughs> it got Red, and it got Smokey on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's my ashtray, man. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Now, that's what's up. Um, damn, I was going to ask something. So, um, what's some... What's some other actors or actresses that you worked with that you was like, man, I'm glad I did that. Like, I'm glad I worked with this person. Or I was happy to work with this person. Or, you know. Um, I would say in that brief time that I was working on Borg Empire, it was Michael K. Williams. Like, you know what I mean? It was good to see him because, like, you know, we grew up watching The Wire. So just seeing him in that, like, his yeah. character in that, Omar. bro. Omar. Yeah. Like, bro, like, he was going he, crazy. Um, he had an apartment out here, man, before he died. I lit, like, the first high rise I moved to. Yeah, it's in Atlanta, sixty eleven. He uh, yeah, he had a spot there. Yeah, you know he had a spot there, man. And um, you know I, I smoked the blunt with Michael K. Williams. Uh, you know, hey, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean it was he was cool, bro. He he wasn't there a lot, but he was cool. Like, I see like the uh, 
He'd be there at the cookouts and shit like that. So I we kick it a lot, man. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, Michael K. Williams, man. That was my show though, man. The Wire. We used yeah. to binge watch that shit, bro. Yeah. In college, I binge watch that shit, bro. Shit, yeah, shout out to my homie Tristan Wiles too. Um, that's my guy. He was in the Wire. For real? Yeah. Yeah, Mac um, Wise, he's one of the younger cats. The Philly boys, not Philly boys, but the young dude when yeah, they was um yeah. the Hoppers. Yeah, the Hoppers. Yeah. Um. Nah, facts, bro. Um. So Michael K. Williams, anybody else? I mean, it's like living in L.A. I kind of got a little numb to like who is who anymore. Like I, I... that's how it is in Atlanta, bro. Yeah, you it's see like, so many people. Bro. I know, like I know motherfuckers that. We we be talking future might call him right be like cool and I, I remember future was first coming up on some dungeon family like, before he blew up so yeah I see a lot of people like that like they they was like this and not like that respect because right. like, I saw the work they was putting in but you get that's a good thing about exposure right motherfuckers uh to be around some people that you could bump into just on a regular basis right people do crazy disgusting things and just to be associated with like people to figure their own life. <laughs> they around some celebrities or like even how you said with that some people like they quick to like lose their mind once they get around the opportunity yeah and it's like man exposure make you numb to it like i had my moments bro like oh shit the migos right but um but you know after a while you backstage you start looking numb to it you like damn these folks really just fans just because they see them on tv and shit exactly. it'd be amazing bro and it's yeah. like the thing and then once you know the type of thing people to do for these people, it'd it be crazy, bro. The clout, clout chasing. Clout man. chasing, bro. Yeah, yeah, nah. man. yeah so it's it's kind of like numb to me. Like, I, I kind of got like, you know, actors or actress friends and stuff like that, but, you know, yeah. I just befriend them. You know, like, they just like my people. Man. Yeah, cool, bro. Yeah. Like, people might they see They just me. people, bro. People see you take a picture, like, oh my God. I was like, shit, he think I'm a cool guy, bro. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> We both shoot pool, bro. I beat him exactly. in pool the other day, man. Exactly. You That's know, um, all right, we're going to talk fitness for two seconds, man. So, um, right, you heavy in the fitness, huh? I mean, yeah, uh, I, I guess you could say that, you know. Um, I got into the fitness industry because um, one of the people that I trained on how to invest, um, he was telling me how, you know, one of his uh, personal training gyms and, and gyms in general was uh, shutting down and the owner was uh, looking to sell. Um, and you know, I was like, cool. I was like, well, shoot me that information and I could try to see if I could step in and, you know, be the new owner. And that's what I did. I ended up buying a business, um, up in the Bay. It was up in uh, North Oakland, um, and revamped it, made it my own brand. So everything is immortal. So, you know, we called it immortal fitness and, you know, we had the North uh, Oakland location and then now we got the Berkeley location. And we're building a new location in LA too, so that's that's, the, hard, that's soon to come. But yeah, man, we yeah, I got a. Uh, we started off with you know some of the team that was there, um, you know as far as the fitness journey goes. But then you know you got to learn the ins and outs of how you know people do things, and you got to learn to trust certain people, right? So in that industry, um, I definitely recommend for any gym owner is to actually uh, you know. Make sure you got your staff all on your same page and not to deal with anybody that's trying to pay you rent for as a gym trainer. Yeah. Instead, have that gym trainer on payroll to mm. where everybody, you know, is contributing to the pot. Why you say that? Because when I um when I bought the gym, some of the trainers were paying me rent instead of actually, 
you know, getting paid by every single client you that came in. Money. Right. And then on top of that, the clients that I bought when I bought the gym itself, you know, the personal training clients, um, some of them were going to the ones that was paying rent. And the original person that was selling me the business was aiding that. Right. So she was Oh, shit. So I was like, it was a lot of back, back, back behind door. the scenes, yeah, you know, back dooring going <laughs> on, and I'm like, bro, like what? So I had ended up finding that stuff out myself, and I just ended up like cutting ties with them. I'm like, you got to get out of here, like, right? <laughs> then it's like the uh, nigga paying rent. That's yeah, you paying me a fat nothing. fee, yeah, you that's paying nothing, me a, a flat fee, but then you, you taking my clients, people. yeah, yeah, you paying a hundred, you know, you got a hundred people in, bro. I'm losing. I'm you. I'm losing thousands on a monthly basis. Exactly. So yeah, I I had to cut that off, and it was it was like it was the the non melanated folks that was doing that. So then now I got all melanated staff. I'm just gonna call it that. I got all melanated staff of people that I trust and people that you know people <laughs> like that's that. solid. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I I'm not dealing with none of that no more. You know. So I had to cut ties with that, and then you know now we got an all new staff mm -hmm. of people that's like that's noble and honest. You know. Yeah. Now um. Shout out Rich and Fit. It's the gym I go. So I go to LA Fitness, but I go to this gym called Rich and Fit so I can be around a condensed environment of entrepreneurs. Yeah. But the dude that runs it, he does something similar. So I'm a reseller. I sell like online. So mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about VC in a minute. So I, I take people public to the website, not public as far as like a VC. Right. But like, say, for instance, you got uh, your own product, which you actually do. Yeah. You know, some people just only used to selling their stuff online or like a. Uh, you know, online, like on their personal website. So like for, for me, for instance, so for me, for instance, like I help them go from just like selling things on Etsy to like launching on Amazon, Walmart.com and things exactly. of that nature. Mm -hmm. And um, so, um, but all right, so I was gonna say, um, I noticed that online fitness craze, like the online fitness membership, that's pretty good as far as exploding your business. You, you dibble and dabble in that online fit, like the yeah. online, yeah, so that's something new that we uh, we rolling out here pretty soon. Yeah. It's like we doing a bunch of like online fitness programs. Like we had it during the, the pandemic when everything was kind of shut down. Right. And then we kind of like revamped to like focus on the new locations, right? Right. But now we're doing something to where like people can just sign up and then they can follow a program and mm -hmm. then, you know, understand that craze and fulfill, you know, their fitness needs and stuff like that. Yeah, I started with, around the pandemic time, I was selling like um, fit, like at-home fitness equipment. The company mm -hmm. was called BizFit. Okay. I didn't really do too well with it because like a lot of stuff, to, to be successful selling like private label, yeah. I wasn't really that good at at the time. So as far as like running ads, and I wasn't really selling like on Walmart.com, Amazon.com yet. So, yeah. but you know, I was, you know, waist trainers, the push-up boards with all the colors. And yeah. I got this little ball to where you put it on your head. It's like a reflex ball. It hangs from like a rope around your head, it's like a headband. Okay. And you just basically punch it, it helped with eye, eye coordination. So that was like a project of mine. You gotta send me that, I might need that. <laughs> I, got, I might got one in yeah. the trunk right now. Yeah. I might got one, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now it's dope, it's, it's fun, bro, especially if you ain't got no, like in my in my apartment, I don't have a punching bag. Okay. LA Fitness right next door to where I live at, so yeah, I'm lucky. You just but, go there, yeah. Nah, but if I'm in the house and I just need like, you know, I, have time, I do a lot of time blocking, so mm -hmm. I might just need five minutes of activity Okay. And then, you know, so I get on that, man. So, um, that's dope. Yeah. So, all right. So, look, man. Um, all right. I'll look, before we jump into your, your brand, so how do you like to work out? Like, you like isolation, calisthenics, you know, you big on, um, compound movements. You know, what you, you know, what you typically like to do at the gym? Yeah. I, I kind of like to do like 
really when I go to the gym, I don't even dedicate it to just a day of this. Like, yeah. I don't just dedicate oh to today leg day or to today. Like, I don't I'm doing like I want to get like a full body workout yeah. as much as I can. So yeah. I try to incorporate the cardio usually towards the end. I do like the weightlifting kind of like towards like the middle. You want to exert yourself with the weights. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I I want to do the weights like towards the the middle of the of the workout so it could be like, you know, weightlifting and strength training and stuff like that. Um but then uh, as far as like uh you know the pre-workouts obviously stretching you gotta make sure you stretch otherwise you're gonna be messed up yeah, <laughs> the yeah. next day you know yeah, what I mean? so get get your stretching in um and then like do something like you know back exercises first so like you know we got like this one machine um to where you just you just sit on it and then you like push yourself back and oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it focuses that one the pelvis yeah it, it, it focuses on your whole lower back region so yeah you know that's something that you need to just get done first yeah. and then work on strength training and then like cardio and i do like you know let's say 10 to 20 minutes on like the stairmaster or something like that on Ooh, level 10. Ooh, I hate that. Ooh, I hate it. I hate stairmaster. I, 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 I do it because I love the results though. Yeah. Ooh, I hate that stairmaster, bro. Because once you pass 10 minutes, right, or get close to 10 minutes, it's a full body workout. It's not your legs no more. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just your legs. <laughs> now nah, your whole body's like, ah. Uh. Yeah. So once you get to like, you know, that on level 10, bro, or, or higher, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's what I recommend. We kind of similar, but opposite. So like, I do my cardio first. Okay. Like I hate running after like weightlifting. It's torture, but <laughs> but it's cool. Like, it's the other way for me. I would yeah. do that. I would do it for you. So I do like um, if I do cardio like the day I did like three miles. Right. We're at Thirty minutes. Okay. So like I go up and down hills sometimes. So so I do that. I do like um I do a lot of boxing. Just like I feel like everybody should have like a fun cardio that they do. It ain't got to be fun, but like so, like a long term cardio you could do something yeah. you could do like. Either like you know like ten minutes or more like you were saying, bro. Like yeah. um, as opposed to like doing like a, like twenty jumping jacks. Like you mm -hmm. count too much. I feel yeah, like you need to lose. Yeah. yeah, you need to lose like count. Yeah, something you can lose count. So if you're a girl, pole dancing, hula hooping, and shit like that. Um, yeah. but um, you know I like the boxing. You know just to stay on my p's and q's. In case somebody try me, <laughs> but like it's a full body workout. And it's fun and it's like yeah. you know you might have some frustration. It's cool. You know throw a little left hooker. Something and um yeah, but that's how I do. So like I do like kind of like CrossFit. I don't do like isolation. Like ooh, one arm day. Like that shit boring, bro. But um yeah, I like to move around. So I definitely like calisthenics because you know I'm an ectomorph, bro. So it's like I you know I I go in there it be swole big Donkey Kong dude. So <laughs> yeah, I like to feel myself, bro. Like I do like you can't you can do that, but I can do some muscle up. So that's how I like to work out. I'm like normally every day. So. Um, if I'm feeling sore, I just won't go hard. I just do light just, shit. Yeah, do something light. Yeah. You do uh you think you fast? Nah. Uh, yeah. Hell nah. I'm not fast, bro. You smoke? Yeah, I do. That's probably why. But nah, I was like, I ain't my feet ain't the best, bro. I had like you read the book, bro. I talk about my feet in the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Chapter eight, feet. Okay. Nah, it's like yeah, probably two, man. I had to go and get it out of the way, man. You know, but nah, I ain't no um but I'd rather go for a long time. I ain't really fat. I could be quick though, but not okay. like hell. Nah, footwork. You know, I'm, I'm I'm working on it though. Why you say that? Nah, that's my thing, man. Like ever uh, since ever since high school, bro. Like it was like from sprint to like long distance. That's my thing. So like right now, what I try to stick to, um, and this is like really been my thing for like the past like six seven years. Is trying to stick to 
like my mile intervals. So like I do like yeah, you I do a mile run and then I limit myself at like five minutes. Like if you can't get the mile run done in five minutes, then you fail. Right. So yeah. then I was like, dang, like so sometimes I I like don't make that five minutes, you know what I mean? You got Roger Bannister here, man. Yeah, no, so like I, I try to like my I think my fastest time, like in recent recent years probably like four minutes and forty three seconds or something like that. Right, and I documented on my Instagram stories and all that. He's digging and ran. He surpassed a four minute mile for real, for real. No, nah, it, 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 it ain't four minutes yet. It's okay. like four minutes forty some seconds. Right? Oh, okay. So it's it's after four minutes, but man, like I I really try to stick to that because I feel like that just what really keeps you in tip top shape. You know what I mean? Like uh -huh. If you can continuously run fast, you're good. You know? Yeah. So like, all right. So so that's like you always go for the speed. All right. Or, all right. How many miles do you run? Like, do you go long distance or you just like normally stick to a mile? Like, if I can, if I can get it within that five minutes, I'm done for the day. I, I'm cool with one mile, but if I don't make the five minutes, I got to do another two. Nah, it's dope. So anybody don't know Roger Bannister, he's the first person to uh, to beat the four minute mile. Yeah, and so nah, he I ain't was there yet. Huh? I ain't there yet. But go ahead. No, nah, I'm just saying. Yeah. So he the first person to do it. So before he did it, nobody thought that you can break a do a mile in four minutes. So this was like the studies. So after he broke the four minute mile, months later, a lot of people started hitting it. So it just goes to show you once you see someone that's done it before, it makes it easier for you to have in your head that you can do it too. And that's what helps growing up in College Park. You grow up around, like I went to the same elementary school that Jermaine Dupree went to. You see Ludacris, you yeah. see people like T.I. So it's like by the time you get like 10, 15, you like, like people from this town got rich, you know, and started exactly. rapping about these streets. So it's kind of like that's what helped me out. Yeah. But but nah, that's dope, bro. So I want you to talk about your brand. Yeah, so my brand that I got now is called uh, Monster, right? Okay. So, uh, you know, as you see here, um, and the the name Monster uh, is actually a title, um, and that means like an emperor or a king um, from the Mali Empire, right? Mansa, yeah. like Mansa Musa. Yeah, yeah, like Mansa Musa, yeah. So, okay. So um, it's actually a title, you know, um, and... The logo itself uh, is a logo that represents multiple things, right? So it, it's not only, you know, what most people would recognize as a crown, but then there's also another meaning behind it, meaning like there's actually, well, can you figure it out from here or you want me to tell you? Nah, I can't figure it out, bro. All right, so there's actually three people here, right? And the three people here are ah, actually are actually holding hands, right? Yeah, 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 so it's crazy. like it's like strength in numbers, right? Okay. We have like collectively as a black dollar put our hands into other people's hands. Yeah, facts. And not kept it into our own hands. Yeah, we're not circulating. We're not circulating our own dollar. Our own right. dollar, our own dollar does not last, you know, no, you know. 60 minutes you know what i mean like whereas like if you look at like a a korean dollar that that dollar still circulating or, yeah. or the jewish dollar that dollar oh, yeah, still nah, circulating they, 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 yeah we we putting we putting money into all these other brands and you know ones that's not giving back to anything to our community mm -hmm. and that's not that's not creating anything that we can actually be proud of right in my opinion like i i don't really see myself being proud of promoting a Louis Vuitton, or even like, for example, a, a modern day brand that came up around the same time that I started this, right? Like, uh, like a Miri, right? Yeah. You know, like no hate to none of them, right? But right. they ain't black. 
They not black. And that money ain't coming back to black people, but they they profiting from black culture. Yeah, yeah. And laughing at us. They they profiting from it. You uh, know what I mean? So like I think that we should actually, you know, create something that's culturally about us, but right. also from us. Right. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. so that's why I was like, all right, cool, let let's make something that's fully luxury, um, that's probably even better quality than what's out there, you know, currently, but then at the same time we keep it black. You know what I mean? Keep it melanated. I'm, I'm gonna say that. Keep it melanated. You know what I mean? So like, wherever you from, if you if you got melanin in your skin, you can relate. You know what I mean? Thanks. Exactly. So you know, we we got you know everything from shoes. We started off uh, with shoes. I started off designing my first shoe um, mm -hmm. in 2018. Wow. Um, and then you know that went well. Um, and then now we got like things like hats, and we got like you know bags. We got shirts. Oh, it's hard. We got all that. So, you know. Where can they find these products, bro? Yeah, Mansa.io. Mm. It's M-A-N-S-A.io. Mm. Um, or MansaMaliEmpire.com. However you want to put it, it's going to all lead to the same place. Man, shout out Vertebrae, black-owned clothing designer. Got your shades on, so shout out Vertebrae. And, uh, okay, man, we're going to just wrap this up, man. You know, we're going to get a little personal, man. So, man, what's it like dating? Man? The dating how's the dating world for Goldman Stacks, man? Um, dating world, man. You you don't want to talk about VCs yet? Yeah, we can talk about VC. I forgot about that. Yeah. So venture capitalists. All right, so venture capitalists, man. You bring things to uh, public. You bring um ideas to public. Yeah, like I I find brands or mm. I find people okay. that got a talent, mm. or they find me, and then I then do my research and see if they are worthy of investing in, and if they are, then that's what I do. And I invest in them, and then I try to grow and scale whatever their business is, right? Right. So, like, one of the first ones was, uh, you know, one of the first, like, projects I worked on was uh, was Nicole um, Knight. And she had mm. this, you know, I'd seen her on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. We had been following each other on Instagram. But I seen that she was, like, customizing shoes locally, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, yo, she kind of really dope. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm like... I think that she can like really scale this. And this was like 2015 or something like that, 2016. So I seen like she can really scale this. And I, I reached out to her, I'm like, yo, like, do you really want to like take this to a, another level? Right. And then she was like, yeah, like, why not? So I, I let's let's build a brand that is a recognizable brand, mm -hmm. get you a website, get you all this stuff that you need to scale. And let's start making, you know, to the point where you can be a household name for customizing sneakers and stuff like that. Or, right, you know, that's get, dope. Yeah, getting getting orders from all around the world, and that's what we did, you know what I mean? By 2016, she was doing that. 2017, 2018, she was getting all that kind of like celebrity, uh, you know, designs done from mm -hmm. like Chris Brown to like, you know, ball players. You see some of the stuff that, you know, she didn't customize on the court. So I'm like, you know, that's, that's what we ended up doing. Like, you know, I invested in it, in it through whether it be, you know, through money, sweat equity, et cetera, right? And putting that to scale to where now, you know, we have this show uh, called Fresh Pair, and that's alongside Just Blaze, right? And where she actually now, you know, for every episode, she, you know, customizes shoes for different, you know, artists or friends of Just Blaze, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, we did shows with, like, you know, Red Man, Game, you know, you name it, like all different kind of like players, like Jim Jones, all them, 
and she can customize them based off of their life. So yeah. then now that's like a big thing to where, you know, custom sneakers is like a big market, right? Mm. So it was to the point where like you can just Google like custom Jordans or custom, you know, Nikes and yeah. she would be on the front page now. Like yeah. she wasn't nowhere near that before like we we got joined forces. Yeah, we joined forces. I integrated SEO and all I use utilize services of my business, which is Immortal Media. Yeah, of course. And implemented that into, you know, whatever it is she was trying to do. So, you know, that was like one of my first first venture projects that, you know, turned into a success for that. And then like we got, you know, plenty of other projects that we got well, coming out. When you say turn into a success, so is the goal to make it a bigger company and scale it or is yeah. the goal to make it so the goal is not always to go public or anything like that. The goal is basically to scale and make it a recognizable brand, household yeah. brand. Yeah. Make it a recognizable brand, you know, and you know, make it to something to where, you know, people can actually access it and, and you know, make it something that can scale into millions, bro. Like instead okay. of just being something, you know, like some little cool, something yeah, cute. Yeah, some hobby or something like that, or something that you could do on the side or profession. Yeah. Now you're doing something to where you making, you know, M's and stuff like that. So yeah, like, man. I'm trying to work on. I'm kind of working on the same thing. Like as far as like coming up with different launch strategies, like to get get them on big websites like Amazon. So what I would do, say someone has like a, say somebody like you had a clothing line. It's like, yo, um. Some people, well, you know, every brand is on Amazon. So I might, like, so my pitch right now is to, and I'm still working on this before I created this, like, a long, a, a public service announcement. Mm -hmm. But more so, like, I might just kind of convince someone that's already clothing designer to just release a few older pieces on this on this platform. As a, so, so therefore, you don't have to, you can just basically use it as a liquidation service exactly. as opposed to releasing new new things or whatever. So that way you, you can control the brand identity of the new things, but... But websites like Amazon.com, Walmart.com, you know, they got a lot of third-party sellers that got their own products. So I do something similar. Um, I'm glad you do that. So now I can, now I can up to any. Say someone is already making, you know, X amount of dollars revenue or whatever, and now it's like, okay, you might be ready for the next level. So exactly, you know, we'll figure that out, man. But uh, yeah, that's dope. They still, she still, um, she still doing that. Yeah, she's still customizing shoes. You know, got that going. You um, you able to tell the brand, the name of the company, or yeah, it's called Caddy Customs. Yeah. Oh, Caddy yeah, Customs. Yeah, Caddy Customs. So that's dope. I'm gonna can, look her up, man. Yeah, you can check her out and all that kind of stuff too. But um, yeah, I got you know other projects that have like went public, like as far as like the crypto world, and this is actually a Web three blockchain uh brand, Monza. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that right quick. So like basically like with with my brand here like. Everything that you would, you know, buy personally, you also would get a digital blockchain-based version of it. So, like an NFT of each item. So, let's say you buy this hat and it's X amount of dollars, right? Yeah. It comes with then a NFT version that is now worth this on a blockchain, and yeah. then it's, it, it actually has its own coin related yeah, to dope. it. And then you can then sell that NFT or you can hold it, whatever you want to do with it. But then now you got both a physical version and then you got the blockchain based version and then this blockchain based version solidifies that it's an actual authentic version of that and not a knockoff yeah that's dope bro so you know and same thing with the bags and stuff like that too like every every single one when you pull your phone up to it you could be able to pull up yeah it's real yeah you could pull up the mt <laughs> to it Shit, it's like the diamond tester yeah, basically, it's a diamond <laughs> test that, that can't be, you know. It's hard too. Yeah, and it's it's all. Nah, that's what's up. So it's basically like 
it's like basically like the crypt the crypto aspect the blockchain aspect is like a collateral version yeah like something like that yep yep and it, i guess it, uh so when it comes down to insuring it you you know what I, mean? you, I don't know what i'm trying to ask but when you insure it they 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 got to understand the dynamics of the physical version and the blockchain version i mean you it's easy to understand at that point right because i have integrated and you know i got a you know kind of a computer science background too like i said but that wasn't my major but i kind of just taught myself that but you know i learned react and all that kind of stuff all the different javascript languages to be able to create it to where it's easy for people that don't know web3 to then just onboard themselves with just buying some of those products so you would sign up typically how you would with like a, a email address etc instead mm -hmm. of uh having to have a you know web3 wallet already to understand it you know so mm -hmm. it, i made it easier for them with that well um, why do companies use web3 services or yeah when they when they create a product i, I know you just kind of explained it but i yeah. just want to make sure I, i'm clear why um well when you when you okay companies use web3 services when they create a product for reasons like this is you know to verify authentication oh, okay. you know yeah yeah makes basically it basically to authenticate something you know um but you know why use web3 in general um is the decentralization of everything so now everything is into you know one central source that can be blocked or cut off and then now everybody is like you know uh pretty much stuck under that you know with the decentralization that's that's a whole different ball game and that's how i got in, involved in like crypto and investing early in bitcoin back in like 2014 2015 you know mm. you know that's that's been my thing is just investing in trading and stuff like that and that too what's um so you trade crypto as well yeah been you, trading um swing trade day trade both both yeah uh lately i've been swing trading because of the market because the market going up we entering back into a bull market uh -huh. so it's just like swing trading like whenever i see the market go up super high okay let me skim some of it off you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then let it go back down and buy back up you know yeah you know what you're doing man you work on wall street it's <laughs> yeah i and know you probably learned really learn how to trade on wall street though huh yeah 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 you, you did yeah you, you definitely do and then like in 2013 that's when i was hearing more and more about crypto yeah. and i was like what and it was like well it wasn't really crypto they were just talking about bitcoin back bitcoin then. And shit yeah, yeah. that's it <laughs> ethereum and all that and litecoin and all that didn't wasn't, exist wasn't, yet. Wasn't around yet it wasn't really there yet it was just bitcoin so i was you know hearing more and more about it and then i was like all right you know what let me just exit from you know working for somebody let me just try to go into you know crypto itself so that's what i did have you ever tried to launch a crypto that's what i'm doing with this okay exactly yeah that's what we're doing with this it's gonna be it's on crypto okay Damn, that's hard, bro. And you get a representation. It's damn like a painting. It's kind of like a painting, like how you how you got the evaluation and you got to authenticate it and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But it's kind of bringing that that essence onto like to to where you can brand things yourself and make it make it make sense to the general public. But now nah, that's dope, bro. Yeah. And then okay, uh, beyond just my stuff, like to other things that I've invested in and stuff like that, um, like you know. As far as like the medicinal area, you know, there's been opportunities where, like for example, one thing with like Free Ray Ricky Ross, you know, he reached out because he was looking for investments for uh, yep. for his, you know, and he was having his line banking and stuff. Yeah, and all that. So he was like looking for like you know 250k for yep. uh, for his brand and you know his you know warehouse and stuff like that. So yep. that was something to consider. But right now, I'm really focusing 
um, on, you know, shrooms. Mm-hmm. So a lot of different states aren't really focused on that yet, and they still got like a, a bad stigma to shrooms, but that's a whole lot more safer than yeah. than uh, than any type of medical marijuana or weed at all. Man, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about being a shroom edible man. Yeah. It's like a Schedule C drug. It's damn near like selling crack. <laughs> so I was like, hell no. Nah. Like I was, um, I met a lady, she had a pop-up shop. Yeah. And she had like some dope edibles, like lollipops, all type of stuff. And yeah. she was a real plug, meaning like, you know, you send the bread, she send your product. Right. But I started like, I was like, man, I ain't, I was like, I ain't, it's cool. If it was like regular, I probably would've did it. This was, yeah. this was like a couple years ago. Right. But I was like, when I found out like the charges, I was like, there ain't no slap on the wrist, bro. Nah. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. So like certain, um, certain states, have legalized it you know yeah, some, yeah. Not, yeah not not in the south you know <laughs> nah. what i mean you ain't gonna get to get away with that here in the south but Maybe like you would. but like where i'm at like that's fully legal out there now yeah so like or like over in denver or something like that yeah. in colorado uh, yeah, and yeah. then another state like uh massachusetts you know that's been a new state so like it's just one company that i you know recently got involved with and you know we doing numbers like crazy numbers and i wasn't even expecting this quickly you know, but we're doing crazy numbers because more and more states are now opening up to allowing that. Open the floodgates. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, it's actually safe. You know, it's actually a, a safer, uh, you know, medicinal product to use because you're not dealing with, you know, anything. The toxins. Like, the toxins. Smoke. Yeah, from smoke. You're not dealing with none of that. So, you know, we're doing crazy numbers with that. But, yeah, that's called the shroom store. So we're doing that. Damn, it sounds like a dope. A dope trap spot, man. <laughs> yeah. It's dope, bro. Damn. Yeah, yeah we doing we doing numbers with that though. And we oh. got crazy numbers coming next year. You know it. Yeah. Nah, that's what's up. Um damn, that's what's up, bro. All right, man. So we finna wrap it up, man. We're just gonna ask a couple questions, man. And um dating and stuff. All right, so look, arm day or leg day. Arm day or leg day? Mm-hmm. Um I say arm day. You know, um, but you gotta still get the leg day in at some point the next day. Yeah, you do. Um, all right, so, all right, so you, all right, so right now you in you in Cali right now. Yeah, Cali. What part of Cali? Calabasas. Calabasas, Calabasas, Calabasas. It's like north suburbs of LA. Okay, so you like suburbs better than the beach, or they they the beach right next to it. It's right next to it. It's like oh, yeah, fifteen it's, minutes it's drive cool. to Malibu, bro. Oh, no, that's cool. That's cool. All right, so cool, man. Um, all right, so the fifty-fifty convo been in effect, man. Yeah. Would you go fifty-fifty with someone? Would you allow a woman to go fifty-fifty, or do you not give a fuck, or is just like you know, it's up to his own, each of his own. Yeah, I think it's each his own. I think like really, you got to do what works for you. You know what I mean? I tell you. Like, honestly, like do what works for y'all, <laughs> and, and, and whatever y'all do that makes sense, just do with it. You know what I mean? Like mind your business and and, and actually succeed in it you know what i mean like the whole point in my opinion of a relationship is love and for it to be successful right if it's not a success then that's just me from my business mindset if it if it's not a success then it's gonna end in divorce i'm trying to tell you so you know if y'all get married now that person that's coming in with more money is at risk yeah yeah so like what, what would be the point of like i don't know like putting all your eggs in one basket and then that that basket then just ripped from the bottom now your eggs broke 
You gotta have a diverse portfolio, my brother. You, you know, gotta <laughs> working on Wall Street. I mean, I gotta. And at the end of the day, if I'm a, if I'm gonna have something to do with the company, yeah. I just want to be a majority stakeholder. Exactly, fifty one percent. Yeah, forty nine, fifty one. You know, but now nah, I feel you though. I mean, as far as me, bro, if I was um, I mean, like I say, to each his own. Because I know some men that everything they pay for came from a woman. They'll brag to you. You know, you know they. I ain't about that, but I'm just saying, yeah. You know, I know Do a couple, it work. I know a couple people, man, they, um, you know, they call themselves P, you know, to where, you know, they make it work for them. So yeah. it would be atrocious for them to spend money on a woman. But as far as, like, yeah, as far as me, I'm going to take care of me. You know what I'm saying? I don't really, like, I'm, like, asking for, for all, you know, asking for having all that type of stuff. But I'm yeah. not married. So at the same time, it would only make sense for me to take care of me or exactly. whatever and not get in that situation. I'm just blessed, bro, that I can afford I'm just blessed I can afford whatever I can, whatever I want to do, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's really exactly. the goal. Like I'm just blessed. But yeah, I mean, if I got a, if I got a, uh, if I got a girlfriend, wife, or whatever, she putting something in. Like I ain't exactly. saying, on the, I ain't saying on the bills, but it's gonna be some type of contribution. Exactly. You know, to the mean? household. I didn't try. I didn't did the whole situation where I paid for everything. Yeah. And you know, I would ask her, be like, hey, you know, just keep the house clean when I come home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like it, it would be like, okay, we're gonna do chores on on sunday i'm like wait what like damn i'm paying all this for yeah you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, yeah. You, gotta keep, you gotta keep it clean keep it clean cuz <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah you know i don't it, think that shit motivating enough bro for people to get the most the optimum yeah. version they sell it's kind of boring bro and it's not enough motivation it's like the same shit every day so it's like honestly man get a hobby get something exactly. going on and and me personally don't i would never have nobody in a situation where they're asking me for uber money and shit like that bro like what what 50 said um he said it in his book he was like uh you know being a man and being a provider and, and taking care of a woman he has no problem with that but taking care of a woman that needs to be taken care of or has to be taken care of is a problem yeah because that's not a you know now you dealing with somebody that is needing you a hundred percent of the time for that reason yeah versus somebody that can do for themselves and, and you know and can actually provide for themselves and i really think like really before we anybody should get into that conversation everybody should live by themselves and see what it takes to do yeah. like to not not <laughs> only pay for your own things completely but then also like clean and do that kind of yeah. stuff it's not hard yeah <laughs> like yeah. i do all that stuff by myself bro like that yeah. that is not hard so just to see that um that other half contribute in whatever mm -hmm. way y'all want to split it mm -hmm. you know whether you know that person take care of all the finances and you take care of all the household issues or if y'all yeah. have kids cool you know what i mean you understand the severity of what it takes to, yeah. to take care of that part and you appreciate that person and then i'm attracted to boss bitches, bro so me too like, <laughs> if you if you had the crib all day and you ain't got no nah. motion going on and i see this chick she didn't got her she got 10 food trucks already exactly. and she own a restaurant that shit more attractive than a ass and titty alone, dog. You know exactly, what I'm bro. What you think about the uh, the date, the, the list of the first dates that women don't want to go to? It was like it's, it popped yeah. it off with Cheesecake yeah. Factory. Yeah. Ended up with like, I think it ended up in sports events, bro. I think yeah. that's that's off the table too, bro. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. Like it's, I love going to sporting events, and, and you you gonna turn on this courtside seat? Yeah, see, they used to <laughs> motherfucker. They used to nosebleed. They meant to say no nosebleed, but yeah. even so, I can't relate. But I'm saying like even even, even so, then, we having fun. Yeah, it's about getting to know that person hell yeah you know what i mean it ain't about like the materialistic shallow stuff you know what i mean you, bro like 
You know what I mean? That, that's why I even cut to like dates sometimes like with nothing on. I, like even today, I ain't got on no jury. Yeah. I, you might see me with earrings on, that's it, or little, little chain. You know? Yeah. I ain't got on nothing flashy because I don't want you around me for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want now, you I'm your boy, right. man. You, I mean, it's the right reason. No, I'm just playing. No, no, no. I'm, just, I'm playing, bro. I'm, I'm just saying, like, you I'm know playing, what I mean? I'm playing, man. We cool, <laughs> man. We just having an interview. But now nah, I feel you, bro. If you got too much bait, right? Say yeah. for instance, like you got the bait when they met you, and then the first thing you text them is where you want to go. Right. They pull up, you done bought them a little cute gift or some shit, and you gotta go to Nobu the first day. It's like, yeah. shit, nigga, let's keep the motion going on. <laughs> like, you don't know, but you don't even like her. Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's a great time. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, at the end of the day, I don't think niggas care about the person. But, yeah. But yeah, I'd be like, bro, or it's like, I'm like, shot. If you don't, if you don't take your, if we ain't going to cheesecake, we can't start off with cheesecake, and I don't really eat cheesecake factory. Right. But I mean, um, we ain't gonna start off with Nobu. That's for like, <laughs> bitch, that's for women. That's we girl, damn near girlfriend. We I just went to Nobu. We, we locked in. Yeah, nah, it's cool though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Going I mean, sometimes maybe you know, if you balling, you balling. But yeah, but. I'm not just quick to take you on a, the time of your life, bro. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, it's just like, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna do the most. I'm not competing with nobody. I'm gonna go where I want to go, and I like pretty good food, and we are gonna have a good time, man. But um, but what you but but as far as the uh, the dates, you think it's cap the twenty first dates? Like, would you? Yeah, it, if a chick holds me up to that, you know, to that list, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm not going because it's I'm like, okay, well, alright, cool. Peace. You know what I mean? Like we, we ain't gotta, we ain't gotta. I feel you. We ain't gotta go. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean? That's like, cool. Cool. I'ma go. You know, you take your ass home. You stay. <laughs> ass at the house. You stay there. Like you ain't gotta deal with me. That's cool. Cause I understand that you setting that standard from the start, and that's okay. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you wrong for that, but I'm I'm not wrong for not wanting to deal with that. You yeah. know what I mean? I ain't gotta deal with it. So yeah, I I just I feel like people should just do what works for them. You know what I mean? And you know, set the standard that you got for yourself. Don't set other people to those standards. Yeah, man, we gotta stop letting social media yeah. ruin our lives, man. Cause you at the end of the day, you post the best picture on social media, um, and I do feel like it makes the evaluation of um of pussy go up. Like as far as if it was on the stock exchange, the perceptual <laughs> value. I feel yeah. like that you know some venture capitalist talk. I feel like it made, but at the same time, it's just like shit. I mean, most people come with a price sticker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, most people come with a price sticker. When you look at somebody, you just, you know, you got to fit something in your range, man. It's like. <clears throat> what you feel about the the term, I'm the prize? I ain't going to lie. It's a little arrogant. You know what I'm saying? As far uh -huh. as, um, it's like, I put it this way. It's just like. I just ain't quick to say that or making nobody feel like I'm just like a dominator right. or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if I got the motion and you don't have much motion, I'm a prize. I ain't going to say I'm the prize. Right. You know what I'm saying? But but you ain't finna say uh, looks alone is going to trump it's all not. this fucking work I put in. Exactly. I got more, you know, we having, you know, I'm on the path to generational wealth and most people is not even, they trying to go to hookah bar and spend their money yeah. in a place where the nigga financially wealthy are. I own this place and it's just like, you know, all that, you know, a lot of people do boring shit, bro. Like, they be trying to take you off your goals by, you know, going out on a, on a weird day, like going out for drinking on a Tuesday. It's cool, but yeah. but not if we ain't really got no no fruitful conversation to, to hover over. Right. Or it's like, who, like, just doing shit to look cute for the ground, bro. It's like, that should be a turnoff to me. And once I see somebody and they feel like they live for, for an image of others, um, 
I wish them well on their future endeavors. Yeah, yeah. This is like you're not my my opinion on it. I feel like the prize is the love that y'all create together. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I wouldn't be dating you if I didn't see value in you. You shouldn't be dating me if you don't see value in me, right? I'm trying so to the love and the life y'all create that should be the prize. If y'all create a child together, that should be the prize. You know what I mean? Like the prize. If you're gonna talk about the prize, but y'all both should be prizes to each other. Trying to tell you know you. what I mean? It shouldn't be no one sided. Yeah, hey, yo. If you a winner, why would you fuck with the why loser? Why would you? Why would you even have them around you? Yeah, it don't even make sense, bro. Like you shouldn't be paying for somebody's, uh, you know, existence in your life. Hell no, nah, bro. You know what I mean? That I'm it, not should, doing it that. shouldn't work like that, bro. Yeah, I'm not, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not nobody's survival kit. I'm not. I'm not gonna be nobody's meal ticket either. Like we gotta both Hell put in nah. our money together. We gotta put in our, gotta put in our mind together. We gotta put in our efforts together. Yeah. To make it work. You know what I mean? So I don't even date financially in state. Like women that don't budget their money or they can't pay their bills. That shit unattractive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um I remember once like I remember one time, yeah, bro, just anybody that's always behind on bills and it's like no no emergency and they get paid the same shit every two weeks or it's it's like it's yeah, like you ain't got taking, no motion no You're not talking taking losses. It's like I could take a loss right now. Right. A big ass loss. And it's like it will I don't make the same thing every day. So I just say, okay, this is what I make. I'm gonna divide that by 065 percent and mm -hmm. I'm pretend like the extra thirty five percent is that's for um that's for losses or the the incidentals or whatever but exactly. it's like yeah if you if you ain't got no type of financial plan and i really like women that are a little more financially savvy than me but come on you know it's you know it's 2023 i ain't gonna i'm not gonna be that demanding but it's like but yeah. if i feel like you opposite of that like i'm not dating nobody i go broke with bro why why would you do that because then on top of that they're gonna want you to fully provide for them and then if something happened to your bread guess where they going to your homeboy that's what i'm saying bro like yeah or let's say y'all even got married, you know what I mean? And for whatever reason, you decided to do that and marry that person that ain't got nothing going on, mm -hmm. right? All they got is looks. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen when the money drive? If the money goes with the honey stay, ain't that what Jay and Fab said? Like, yeah. Like, where they going to go? So uh, then on top of that, they going to file for divorce from you. Facts. And guess what the court going to do? Split it 50-50. Yeah. But then they so against 50 50 when it comes down to contributing. Yeah. But they don't want to contribute nothing yeah. as far as that 50 50 that the court going to split. Yeah. They're going to take that house that you didn't pay for all them years or mm. you know, however long you had it. Yeah. And then now it's going to hurt. Shit. <laughs> and then that lifestyle going to continue to go to her alimony. Man, fellas. How'd that work? You need to know about trust, offshore accounts. Exactly. And, and hiding the assets, man. Uh, you ever seen the movie Laundromat? Yeah. Alright, you already know, man. She she Absolutely. thought she came up after that divorce. Yeah. She had this big company, it was worth <laughs> some money. And um the trust transferred the ownership of the company from one person to the other, and they ended up with shit, man, at the end of the day, man. So fellas, when it comes down to that 50 50, if you looking at it from the angle of them leaving and taking 50, look at the movie Laundromat. It's on Netflix. One of my favorite movies. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like I, I might out. go home and watch it today, man. And um, and yeah, but you got anything you want to say before we get up out of here, man? Man, uh, you know, go ahead and check out Monster Dial. Okay, yep. You know, uh, you know, and 
check out the website, you know what I mean? Check out the beats. I still got beats for sale, you know what I mean? So if you want to <laughs> wanna go ahead and you know, check out some of the beats, you got some of those too. Yeah, man. All right, cool, man. So there's been a, another episode of Multiple Streams by any means. And remember, good things go to those that hustle. Right on.